What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 22 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnson from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host, who will be joining us shortly, as always, is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this week's podcast, we have a ton of stuff to get to, including a 2015 wrap-up, and we will both give you our opinions of what we see coming in the future for the drum industry for 2016. In our Shop Talk section, we'll discuss symbol cases and symbol bags. In our educational corner, we'll discuss the World Groove Independence Mashup article that I wrote for the January issue of MD. Our featured drummer this time is Mr. Brendan Buckley. In our gear review section, we will talk about my favorite metal snare versus my favorite wood snare. And as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Mr. Dawson, episode 22, is that correct? Yeah, right? It's the, I know. Uh, <laughs> it, well, I guess control. it would be the first episode of 2016 is that what year we're it in will now? be it will be <laughs> happy new year buddy <laughs> <Happy> New Year. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so we're recording this on december 29th because you guys are taking a little break right you're getting that nice holiday yeah we shut down early new year's eve and then we're done for the new year's day so we're trying to get this up on friday which happens to be new year's day so happy new year so when i said you're taking a vacation you're not you, you have like a day and a half off yeah Fantastic. and i have a new year's eve gig that that'll keep me up all night so wow oh yeah yeah i think you mentioned that a little while ago that you took a new year's gig this year so is that in town it's about an hour away at a, at a casino in, in yonkers new york okay but you don't have to do the whole manhattan ball dropping traffic Heck thing no. although i i wonder if it'll i don't think it'll affect that i think i'm far enough west but yeah it'll, it'll It'll be uh, interesting. I've never played a casino for New Year's. I don't know if it'll be depressing or exciting. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it'll just be smoky. That's, that's all you can count on. By the way, thank you for, um, you know, over the years, thank you guys for being there and dropping that ball three hours early so we could find out that the world didn't end on uh, Y2K three, at 9 p.m. our time. We're like, all right, <laughs> New York's still there. I guess we're fine. So um, it's always funny, like the the things that happen every year. Like this year, it's all going down, and I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, well, uh, well, I guess we'll just wait. But if if New York makes it out alive, I, I think we're going to be okay. How do you celebrate New Year's in California? Oh, man, well, as a kid, it was the one time that I could play drum set at midnight. Okay. My mom would always give me five minutes from twelve a.m. to twelve o five to blaze the kit no kidding um, and yeah and i and i had she you know i i really lucked out with the parent support you know both my parents really supported the drumming my mom took our two-car garage and allowed me to build like a kind of a soundproof room as soundproof as a kid can make in the garage um so i had my own drum room in the garage but yeah on new year's eve or new year's day i guess when it hit midnight i was allowed to open the garage open my doors and just blaze <laughs> for five straight minutes <laughs> Uh, that's great <laughs> and so that was like the best tradition in the world for me and uh now i usually i don't know i start maybe an ep- one of the episodes of uh neil degrasse tyson's the cosmos that i haven't fully memorized i start that at about nine thirty, and then i'm usually asleep by 10 uh, perfect yeah, that's, that's how it works <laughs> yeah no gigs no nothing crazy just a little astrophysics knowledge and then i'm out yeah, uh, I'm remembering uh as a kid, my mom would always have a, a packet of firecrackers. So at New Year's, she would just go outside oh. and just throw them in the street. The Pyro Slightly Dawsons, different. awesome! Or she'd I be banging it. a uh, a dustpan with a with a wooden spoon. Of or course, something. of course, yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, that's how it started as as a little kid, and I was always trying to like rock some rudiments on it, and then eventually it was like, hey, instead of banging pans, can I just go play my kit? And then that became the kind of the tradition. So, um, but I'm not, yeah. I guess uh, 
you know, this year at midnight, I'm not going to jump on my, you know, Yamaha DTX (laughs) (laughs) electric kit and blaze it at the house. So my gig ends at midnight. So I'll probably be finishing up with, um, what do we do? We do, uh, Elvis Costello, peace, love and understanding. Nice. So I'll be doing the big ending, playing a bunch of fills right at midnight. Yeah. Well, then, there you go. When, when you're doing that, just be like, man, I feel like Mike Johnson at age seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, good to know, man. So let's get into some stuff. We have a listener question, and uh, one of our listeners, Mr. Maximilian Anderson, was asking, with this year coming to an end, can you both give us a personal recap on the year and what you see ahead for the industry in 2016? How was your How was your year, brother? Well, you know it's funny because I I have a, a personal philosophy to not look back too often. Mm-hmm. So when you sent this over, I was like, wow, I don't I don't even know what happened this year. I guess a lot of stuff <laughs> has happened, but I don't really know what happened. I think for me personally, this was the year of really focusing on health and fitness for myself. Really? Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I've kind of been flirting with it. I've been off and on exercising and dieting, but this year it was like, okay, let's get a routine. Let's start a new habit. Let's eat clean. Let's get back nice. to your ideal weight. I've always been kind of skirting a little bit above my ideal weight. So okay. this was a year of no more BS. Let's just do it. So I got some, uh, I got a kettlebell for Christmas. Hello. I've got some, what are they called? THX bands. Yeah, man. Yeah. My yeah. brother's a personal trainer. So he kind of hooked me up. Once I said, I'm ready to do this. He's like, all right, well, here you go. Here's all you need. Have you tried any of the THX stuff? Uh, just a little bit. I mean, I've been using the total gym for years. Okay, and I kind of maxed it out, so I'm now I'm at the point where my my exercise routine is just maintenance. I'm not really improving, so I want yeah. to step it up a bit. So I haven't really tried them. He showed me a little bit how to use them, but you know, probably. yeah, they're pretty they're pretty incredible. I mean, you've got yeah. you know two nylon straps that you can get four thousand exercises out of. THX is no joke. I've done some full THX workouts with trainers before, and uh, I was pretty wrecked. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah. I've kind of been I always avoid like I hate cardio. You know, I just hate it. So (laughs) (laughs) I prefer lifting weights, but then I'm not really getting – I'm kind of, you know, I've just been lying to myself about, yeah, I'm fit. I'm fit. And I try to run up the hill with my dog and I'm winded. Like, no, you're not fit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've always seen my my fitness as if I was walking – you know, say somewhere in the mountains and Amber fell off a cliff and I grabbed her arm. Am I strong enough to pull her back up or do I just have to let her go? And so that's always been my thing. Like, okay, I have to be strong enough that if my wife or a friend fell off a cliff, I could pull them back up. I guess so, that's a realistic problem in California, not so much in New Jersey. But more like if, if my wife fell in the swamp and was drowning, could I pull her out? That's very important. You got it. Cause you don't want to be like holding her and be like, dang, if I would have just pushed a little harder on the pull-ups, I could have gotten her out of this sludge, but sorry, babe, you gots to go. Good that luck. And don't haunt me uh, yeah. in the future. So, uh, well, that's good, man. That's good. I mean, yeah. any kind of dedication to fitness, eating right. I mean, it just, it makes yeah. everything better because you have more energy, right? You're able to do more things without, like you said, being winded. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's, I think it's good. And most importantly, I, you know, there's definitely a, an aspect of just feeling good about yourself. Yeah, you know? exactly. I was just tired um, of, of just feeling tired. That was the whole thing. Exactly. And just, no, I think you know, great. like looking at myself, like, you know, I could, I could be fitter. Like, what am I doing? Like my brother's yeah. a personal trainer. He does this stuff for a living. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely in your genes to be in shape if you want to be. Uh, yeah. And not to mention, I don't think you nearly post enough 
shirtless pics on Instagram <laughs> right now. But man, I think that would really kick the uh, subscription rate of MD up if you just started being like, hey, I'm testing out the new Zildjian Karope line shirtless. Yeah, you have permission <laughs> to smack me in the face if and when that never happens. <laughs> Bro, I promise. I will I will honestly book a flight to be like, hey, I just need to smack you in the head for posting oh, a shirtless man. pic on yeah, social so, media. I mean, so how that translates to drumming for me, it's kind of the same thing, like stop avoiding... The, the difficult stuff, you know, I've, I've decided I'm going to just focus on really addressing my issues, which have always been my internal clock. I've never felt has been where I wanted to be. Fortunately, I get to hang out with, you know, on a daily basis, I'm hanging out with some of the best drummers in the world. So I kind of right. see the bar. I know where, like, if I know if Benny Greb and Nearzy and Steve Jordan can play with ridiculous time, they're human beings. That means I can do it too. They don't have anything special. It's just that I've just avoided because it's painful to practice those those exercises in Benny's DVD. We talked about before that is painful. You want to you want to deflate your ego the first time you try those click exercises. It's it's crushing. But that's I've been practicing it every day, uh, focusing on that, focusing on learning songs like not just learning how to play a song, but learning every detail of what the guy played on the song. And then really memorizing it and committing to I'm going to do it all the way, 100%. So it kind of all relates to the, the health and fitness as well, like just addressing. Yeah, no, it's been – I mean just as one of your friends watching from the outside in, it's it's been quite a year of self-improvement for you and just – and you've really committed to it, man. I mean – you know, when people hear you say, "Oh, I've been learning this stuff and really focusing on the nuances," if they're not following you on Facebook, they don't know you're actually filming this stuff. I mean, you're committing and holding yourself accountable, yeah. and I see the videos every week. And I'm so it's been really fun to see, you know, you become separate from Modern Drummer, and it's like. Yeah, you're the managing editor of Modern Drummer, and that's you know your job. But at the same time, you're a human being that plays the drum set. You fell in love with this instrument a long time ago. And just like all of us, you want to improve at it, and you're putting in the time and the effort, and everyone else gets to see the results. So it's been really cool. Yeah, the videos are, are crucial. I think I could say, yeah, I know how to play that song. But if I don't videotape it, and if I don't go through that painful process of thinking I can do it, and then the first time I go for a take, I just totally fumble totally right. fall right on my face like nope you do not know that song <laughs> you know? yeah that's yeah you couldn't just if, if something happened and you know that drummer raised their hand at the concert can you step up right now and play it yeah and have it sound exactly like the original guy that's that's my goal so what about you man what was the year for you wow it was it was a really big traveling year it was the year that i really went after becoming what my dream was a long time ago when I probably around the time that I signed with Meinl, I sat down with Chris Brewer and we really nailed out some personal long-term goals for myself as a Meinl artist because Meinl is so, I guess, involved in helping you build your career. Mm -hmm. So we really sat down and, and made some goals. And one of them was to become a full out clinician, not just a drum teacher that does some clinics, but a, a real clinician. And so this year was all about traveling. You know, I went to China, Portugal, Spain, Ireland. I, I mean, I was I was everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just out of control. It, if I wasn't doing a drum camp, I was out of the country doing a, a series of clinics. So that was something that I really wanted to do. And there was an overall goal at the end, which oddly enough, just got reached on my last clinic tour. So it wasn't happening in China. It wasn't happening in at the drum camp in Ireland. It wasn't happening, you know, in, in anywhere else. And the goal was to not hate myself at the end of a clinic. 
and that's that's a that's a, been a tough thing for me. Everyone knows me as like the positive guy, and it's very easy for me to tell other, to inspire other people, but to inspire myself has always been tough. And it you know so it was it was quite the process, and I figured okay, the only way to do it is to jump into it. Yeah. I'm petrified of drum solos, so let's find something where I have to play a ten minute drum solo every night. Yeah. Uh, you know I'm, and so it yeah it w- that was the big thing for me was to get to where I finally got to around the time of the London drum show, which was, I actually don't hate myself at the end. And so that was, that was cool. It was really cool. And I think it came down to some great advice from some of my idols. And then it also came down to not searching for an answer, but just allowing one to show up. And the the real answer that showed up was preparation equals relaxation. Yeah. The more I prepare, the more relaxed I am. I, I know in that moment, even if it goes bad, I won't be bummed out because I prepared as hard as I could. And then the other thing was accepting the fact that we all have a voice on this instrument. And as soon as I started to believe that and started to kind of find my own voice, then I realized that not even Dave Weckl can be as Mike Johnston as I can be. So if I just became more me and stopped chasing everybody then I could also feel some pride in my drumming and my artistry. And as an educator, the word artist just doesn't even show up in my life very often Mm -hmm. because I'm the opposite. I'm always trying to reverse engineer other artists' works and then pass them off to other people. And so, so yeah, so that was a huge thing for me as far as personally. And then drum-wise, the other thing was the transformation into my actual drum sound. That's been a journey, too. And I ended up with the 2012-14 and side snare becoming my new sound, and it really freed me up. And if you look at my kit in the past, which was always 22, 10, 16, side snare was always really poppy. Um, And I never used it because I never needed this really poppy 12-inch snare drum. It was just kind of a – it was a place to put my green tea. (laughs) And and it honestly, it it was a visual thing. I liked being surrounded by drums, so having a side snare kind of enclosed me in my drum set. Well, once I got to the sound that really matched my drumming, God, it was pure freedom, pure freedom on the kit. So I don't want to ever be stuck where I say, oh, I can't play today because you don't have a 2012-14 side snare. But I also know that there is a level where you go, you know, when I'm – there is my favorite. I do have a kit where I'm like, you know, that's my jam and that's going to allow me to be the most me I can be. So that stuff was good. And then um, I think uh, other than that, this year looking forward personally is just all about cracking the educational code. It's not about the business necessarily and growing my business. It's more about how can I crack the code of how human beings learn online in general and then apply that to drum set and then work with other institutions. I really want to reach out to Khan Academy and Coursera and work with other major online educational institutions and help them with what they're doing and say, okay, I've, I think I've kind of cracked the code of how human beings learn online and retain the information and make that information usable for them. Let's spread this to the world. Yeah. So. Cool. I mean, now back, what about? Oh, go ahead. I'll say to back up to your kit. How did you end up on a with a ten sixteen twenty two? How did that become your setup? Oh man, I think you know. I look back to even the Simon Says days. So touring in the late nineties, and that's what I played. I think. I think what it was was I could never get a twelve to sound good. You know, it's so weird. I was playing this heavy, heavy rock style, which. I mean, 12 should have been my smallest at the moment. Yeah. You know, it should have been a 13, 16. Right. And 
you know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was. It's just a holdover from the 90s. I mean, that 10-inch Tom is kind of definitive for the 90s to me. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think, you know, I saw Dave Abruzis had a 10 on the kit sometimes. And, and definitely Tim Alexander had the higher pitch toms. Yeah. I was into Stuart Copeland and the police. And so it it just made sense. And I think the other thing is comfort has always – and this isn't a good thing at all. But comfort has always steered my drumming more than sound. And it's probably why I didn't have a sound for a long time. And a 10-inch tom put my ride cymbal in a better position than a 12-inch tom did. Oh, okay. And so I, I think it had a lot to do with just comfort. I like being comfortable on a drum set. And then I always felt like, well, I'll just tune the 10 down if I need to. But And then as I became kind of a clinician, I saw it as like, okay, I have a really high 10 and a really low 16, and it's this huge spectrum of sound. And since I'm not complimenting other musicians because I'm playing by myself, it, it's working fine. But – you know, and then I mean the whole kit that I'm playing now, the the 2012 14 inside snare, that's a complete accident. You know, Gretsch sent that to me just because that's what the broadcaster was made in, oh, wow. and it was it was a set of sizes that I didn't own, and I said, yeah, that's fine. You you can send it, and I'll I'll let my students play it, but I'm never going to play the thing after demoing it for a little bit. <laughs> and then I yeah I tried like three times to go back to my other kit, and I just couldn't. So wow. Yeah. So what do you see as the future for 2016 industry-wise? Where do you see us going? I don't know, and I think that's kind of the answer. I don't – I think it's a it's a it's definitely a, a era of reinvention every six months. I don't think – I don't know anyone can yeah. really predict. I, I've noticed that I think the online stuff has become completely legitimate now, whereas in the past it was kind of like, yeah, you can, you can check out some online stuff, but you really need to get in a room with a, a teacher, I think. I think like you and, and some of your your contemporaries have really be, created a, a way to learn online that that that's not the case anymore. It's not just, it can't it's not just supplemental. It can actually can be your primary education. And I'm noticing next. I teach some college level courses. I'm noticing that more and more. I mean, textbooks are almost gone now. A lot of the courses like I can, I'm I'm allowed. I'm actually urged to do half of my courses via Skype because they just wow. want that sort of technology involved involved in the program so where is the drum industry going i think i think we're going to just continue to see more and more um well i think every company is going to start to develop its own online identity i think that's yeah. that's really happening and that's going to all involve uh artists who are, aren't necessarily the marquee names but who who understand that the best i think we've seen that with with annika becoming a superstar without a notable gig in the u.s i mean she's not yeah. appearing on any any major records yet same with benny for that matter yeah exactly you know? the same and it's kind of weird for us because we've we've traditionally always been well what record is he on what's where can people see this person on tour and that's kind of becoming not i mean it's still part of the pie but it's not the definitive thing now it's more of well, what kind of impact is this person having regardless of their bio regardless of their education regardless of their age what kind of an impact is this person having? And that's, I think that's going to continue to grow. You know, I think the, the, the era of, you know, like a, a select few people representing the high, you know, the highest level of drumming, that's, I mean, you're seeing some kids who can really, really play drums. Um, you're seeing, it's just getting more, I mean, I feel like I'm getting left in the dust by the way some people are playing these days. You know, I wish there would have been a YouTube when we were coming up, you know. Totally. You know, the other thing too, though, is I, I've, I'm finding that I was just talking to somebody yesterday about how, how there's room for all of us because you see somebody like 
you know, who, whoever is just, you know, blowing everyone's doors off drumming wise, you know, let's say it's a, it's a Virgil Donati type. And it's like, oh my God, there's just no room for me. Like I'll never be that good. And then you look at Steve Jordan and how, how insanely re-famous he became over yeah. the last five years yeah. and, you know, two or three fills, you know, I mean, that's just not what he does. He just plays amazing grooves and he makes things that we can all play. He just makes them sound better than the way we play them. Yep. And so it's like, all right, well, there's room for that. And then there's rooms for, or there's room for the middle ground, the people like Benny that can do the fusion thing and make it groove. And then when you see that, you're like, okay, well, then that's, you know, then that's the pinnacle. I can't, I mean, I can never do that. And then you just see somebody, you know, like Daru Jones, and you're like, okay, never mind. There's room <laughs> for everyone. I think, I think the real thing for 2016 is people finding themselves. Stop chasing yeah. everyone else. Stop trying to learn everyone's chops and licks. You know, and that's one thing that I hope that we break free of on the online situation, especially in the YouTube world. Is please, when you watch a video, even if it's of mine. Ask yourself this, what is the bigger category that is making what he's playing possible? That's what, when you watch Annika, don't ask yourself like, oh, I got to learn quintuplets. It's like, slow down. What is making all of this sound the way it does? What are the bigger categories? You know, if you're watching me do this lick, your first question should be, what is the subdivision? And if that subdivision happens to be 16th note triplets, then ask yourself, am I comfortable playing 16th note triplets no then don't worry about my lick go and start exploring that subdivision then after that ask yourself another big picture question are there dynamics involved or is this monotone Uh, there's a lot of ghost notes okay well then that's those are the things that are allowing these licks to take place don't worry about the actual notes i'm playing and if you want to get it down because you like the sound of it that's fine but as soon as you get it down realize that that is step one of the process and if you stop there, then you've done nothing other than just plagiarize my lick, you know. But your job and my job as a teacher is to encourage you to say, okay, once you learn this lick, please make 40 versions of your own out of this without any influence. Just keep going, keep creating. And then my lick will just kind of be buried in the dust somewhere and it'll be a launch ramp that got you in the air to to do your tricks. So uh, that's kind of what I hope happens in 2016 for the online free lesson world, you know, just yeah. the YouTube, the Facebook stuff. And I think also in that world, everything's going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. You know, no one, I get all the stats. When I put up a five minute video lesson on Facebook, I can see that, you know, maybe 30% made it to the end of the video. 70% yeah. checked out after 45 seconds. So you're going to see educators condensing everything. Yeah. And that's definitely my personal approach is going to be for 2016, tips and tricks, that's free and it's social media. Legitimate, hardcore drumming education, you're going to have to pay for that because I value it. So I'm going to charge for it and you're going to value it and you're going to pay for it. And that way it creates a bond between us of like, okay, man, you paid for this. So do not let that go to waste. There's nothing I could ever teach you. And there's nothing, Mike, that you could ever teach them that isn't already available on on YouTube for free. Right. So what we're building is we're building trust. We're saying, okay, I did my research. I read the articles. I, I checked in three different books to make sure that what I'm telling you is correct. So you're really not paying for the information because the information exists. You're paying for my delivery, the way that I teach, and you're paying for the trust factor. You trust the fact that I did my research, I did my homework. And I think that that's kind of a, that ties into the modern drummer thing. That's what bonded me with modern drummer in the first place was the trust. It's like, uh, I trust that report. I trust that review. So, so anyway, so I think that's where things are headed. Now, as far as gear in 2016, 
I don't think we can go uglier. You know, <laughs> more more patinaed snare drums, nastier cymbals, um, and I don't think art is the way to go. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of extremes in 2016. I think we're going to get back to like, wow, that sounds good. Yeah. That that looks like a drum. I would love to see some of these companies thin their lines out a little bit because I I can't keep track. You know, some people. You know, I remember when the Thomas Star came out. I'm like, so wait, is it a Star Classic? And they're like, no, it's a Star. Yeah. And I'm like. Is that different than the Star Alliance? Like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I kind of want things to be simplified. And I, you know, with with Aquarian, same thing. It's like, hey, you know, one thing that Remo has over everybody is they have Emperor and Ambassador and Pinstripe. Yep. Everyone knows exactly what those are. Do not mess yep. with that. You know, so I would like to see some of these companies thin their lines out and say, look, this is the best of the best in these price ranges. We thinned it out and we're going to keep it for a while so you can memorize the names. And I think that would help their companies grow quite a bit. Yeah, and I think there's going to be – I mean there already is a new crop of, of really talented custom shop guys who yeah. they've been on the cusp of breaking through. And I think we're getting to that turnover phase when, when some of the names we've been hearing for 20 years are going to slowly fade out and these new guys are going to come in and, and – so I'm excited about that because they're they're carrying the torch very proudly. They they respect the you know everyone who came before them. They always give you know give the respect to the guy who inspired them. But there's some really creative stuff coming out and just really good stuff. Yeah, um, I'm not going to mention any names at this point, but you'll see them. You'll see them popping up at Nam and there's there's quite a few that I think are, are poised to become the you know this generation's Craviato and Brady. Well, that's I think that's a big difference too from five years ago. Five years ago, or maybe even a little bit more, they all cropped up, but all they were was drum assemblers. They were all getting yeah, there was that, that fad, but that died quickly when people were spending all their money on those kits and then having to get them serviced by the guys who knew how to do it. You know? Right, and now the 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 new crop are like you said, they're the kind of the boutique custom drum builders that are thinking we can actually build this different. And better than it's been done before, which is going to create a really, really cool thing. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's see if we're right. We'll see if the Nostradamus thing happens. And in 2016, it's like, yeah, man, you know, Zildjian cut half their lines. They heard your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into some shop talk. So this uh, came to you from a, a listener, right? Yeah, let me about let me the symbols. Grab his name. He or symbol cases. Excuse his, me. His name is Terrence McDaniel. Okay. He emailed us. Um, you know, really loves the show, and he really wanted us to talk about cases, all kinds of cases, symbol cases, drum cases, pedal cases, hardware cases. But um, so for today, let's just talk about symbol cases. Yeah, something we both have a lot of experience with. So, what do you take with you to your gigs? Is it a hard case? Is it soft bag? I have three options for three different things. Since okay. I, I play in Manhattan often, um, I really need to carry as little gear as possible because sometimes i got to park three or four blocks away and it's the dead of winter or it's raining. So um, I have one 24-inch trolley bag by Protection Racket. So it'll fit 24-inch cymbals. It's probably about 10 inches deep and it has, a hand, it has wheels and, and a handle like a extendable handle so it's like a little cart and in that okay. bag I'm able to carry my my set of cymbals which is not huge but it's like a ride a crash hi hats I'm able to carry that I'm able to, able to carry an extra snare drum stand uh x hat holder cuz I use two sets of hi hats with that group um the stand for my SPDS my wow. my bass drum pedal my sticks and uh 
like Hayat clutches and stuff. So in one symbol, it's technically a symbol bag. It's really carrying everything for me. Wow, it's a little. Nice. I mean, it's a little awkward when you try to stand it up. It'll fall over on its face. But sure. But for the fact that I can wield this around and not have to carry anything else, it's it's a great case. So that's like my my New York City gig bag for you know this when I got to take a lot of equipment. If I'm just playing like a fill in gig. Or if I'm playing at a place that has a house kit and it's just a normal drum set gig, I like the Protection Racket uh, Deluxe Bag, which has back patch back straps, which I think Got is it. crucial to be able to put that over both your shoulders. I can, I can lug that around all day, and I can still carry a snare drum in a stick bag and have my arms free. It's not like the the regular shoulder strap is, and that's no, that's, that's tore me up over the years. Yeah, that'll mess you up for sure. So those are my two like gig bags, and if I'm traveling, I really like the SKB uh, hard case with wheels. That's the best one for checking bags. That there's no questions asked. Nothing's going to break because the symbols lock in really tight, and nothing's going to come loose. That's my. That's my. If I could only have one case, it would be the SKB. Uh, what do they call it? It's like a hard shell case with wheels. Yep. Yep. And it just has a pole in the middle, right? That you put all the symbols on. Yeah, and like a big thumb screw to just tighten it on. Yep. Yeah. Nice, man. Very cool. What's your pick? Well, I, I've been using the Ahead Armor cases, uh, the symbol silo. And so, and that, I've used that for every fly gig I've done and I check it. So it's a symbol bag. And so what I do, it's, it's the only symbol bag I have. I did use the, one of the hard cases for a while, very similar to what you have. The problem was, and I, and I would check it. And the, the symbols were totally safe. That was not a problem. But the pole itself kept getting bent. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And so I won't mention the company because I don't want to um, dog anybody out. And I and I don't I didn't get like two of them, so I don't know if it was just a defect. But the pole got bent, and that's where you put the thumb screw on. And I couldn't unscrew it. I couldn't get the symbols off of the case. So. Is it one that where the screw goes all the way through the case? So you're actually yes. Yeah. So the SKB, the thumb screw, is within the case. I gotcha. Yes. Okay, so that was definitely uh, a fatal flaw in that. So what had happened was right around that time I got the uh, the head armor symbol silo, which is just a bag, but the you know it's got that padding inside for it's not just like little sheets. It's like an inch thick of padding between every symbol. So mm. what I do is I just when I travel I put and I think there's like five or six slots. So I put all of my symbols in the middle slot. So there's tons of padding on both sides. Okay. And then I use the hi-hat area. That's where I'll put all of my cables for hooking up my laptop and, and doing all my clinic stuff. And then usually in the front kind of slat or slot is where I'll put all of my sticks, which kind of re-protect my symbols even more. And I've traveled, I've probably flown with that maybe... 40 or 50 times now in the last four years, and I've never had a single problem. So uh, I, I love that thing. Uh, and it's it's actually just now getting to the point where I have to order a new one because it's literally just been wrecked like on the outside, but nothing's ever happened to the inside. So wow. that works for me. I wouldn't really recommend that people check you know, and fly with a symbol bag unless it was had that much padding. I mean, this thing is... It's thick, really thick. So I, I love that. I'm going to get another one. And it has both. It comes with the over-the-shoulder strap, which yeah. I don't use at all. I literally just take it off as you know as soon as I got it. And then it has backpack straps and a waist strap that goes around your stomach. Oh, nice. So it, I mean, so you can like kind of run to the gig if you're a little late. <laughs> 
and and you won't have this giant turtle shell weighing 65 pounds on your back slapping you in the in the spine so it's it's pretty awesome and uh but the backpack straps are i think they partnered with the snowboard company is it Ogio? Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know that's who makes their their bag for their hardware. Yeah, which but these, I use. Yeah. Do you? Okay, yeah. These these backpack straps are thick, thick, thick. So, and then like I said, it has that waist strap, which is really cool if you're kind of like running late to the gig, so it's not bouncing around. On Does you. the airport make you sign off when you check a bag? Because when I did that Vegas gig, I had the SKB hard shell case and also had a soft case for the snare drum. Uh-huh. And they made me sign off on the snare drum, but not the. Oh, symbols. really? Yeah, yeah. No, not with the symbols. And I, I'm, I've never checked, you know, soft case snare, but the symbols. No, I mean the only thing that happens, and I would assume this would happen with the hard case too, is a lot of times it goes to oversized luggage, so you have to because yeah. it's kind of an odd shape. So you just have to know that when you're traveling to different countries and your symbols don't show up, don't freak out. Find out where oversize is and <laughs> go pick up your bag because I've, I've. I've laid into a couple Spaniards, <laughs> and, and then they just pointed to like this one place where there was a there was a single symbol bag sitting there, and I was like, "That's my bad." <laughs> so um, now, do you have any uh, one of the other ones that I've seen that I, I think look look really cool, but I've never had any experience with them? Do you have any experience with mono cases? Yeah, I mean, not personally, but you know, they're really big around town. I believe the guy who owns the company is originally out of Philadelphia. Okay, he's, he's a younger guy, so he. They kind of look like fashion cases. Like, they just look good. Yeah, they're going for stylish. And I know a lot of guys around New York. I know Mark Juliana and Zach Danziger, and those guys are using them. Because they also make, like, keyboard cases. So a lot of, you know, guys who are playing electronic music are using it for their their laptops and their keyboards and stuff. I haven't used them. They look like they're great. Um, If I ever had a need for another one, I would check it out. But the ones I have are – I don't think they're going to break anytime soon. So right. Cool. Well, then I would say definitely for our listener, what was his name again? I don't want to make you relook up the email. Do you remember? <laughs> oh man, my bad, dog. I wish I could have given you like a, a warning on the Skype camera. <laughs> oh, where did he go? <laughs> He's such a good guy. Oh man, I think I just deleted the podcast folder. Oh crap! That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> well, anyway. whoever sent in that question, uh, you know, I think that it comes down to. If you're going to use a bag to travel with and stuff, definitely get something that's really, really thick and has some very thick padding in it. If you're going to use a hard case like Mike's using, I think my lesson with that is just make sure that the pole that you put all the symbols on doesn't protrude out of the case. Because in my case, it did. It got bent, and I had a really hard time getting my symbols off, and I was kind of scared that I was going to have to hacksaw the thing off. Yeah, no good. Yeah, so, all right, well, let's get into some educational stuff. So in the January issue of Modern Drummer Magazine, I wrote a column for you guys' Rock and Jazz Clinic section, and the whole thing was about World Groove Independence mashup. And one thing that kind of I've had to deal with as a California-based drummer is sometimes, you know, I study my world grooves, and I get everything down as authentic as possible, and then I get on the gig, and we might be playing a songo, you know, or, or anything from Cuba that has kind of the tumbao bass pattern. And the bass player just starts playing, you know, the right keys or a right key signature and, and right notes, but he's playing a samba and he's going doom, da doom, da doom, da doom. And I'm about to play either a songo or a mambo or something that would fit salsa. And now I have to do it with a completely different bass drum pattern. So I, I wrote this article just as an attempt to get people to understand, Hey, 
if you take the world groove thing out of this, these are just rhythms. So you don't have to be so scared to mash up a Brazilian foot ostinato like the samba with a Cuban hand pattern like the cascara. So in this case, what we did was we took the uh, let's see, uh, 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 we took the three two cascara pattern and put that on the right hand while the feet were doing a Brazilian samba foot ostinato. And then the goal here was to have left hand freedom with that. So you cycle, and this is from the Groove Freedom app and Groove Freedom book. So you cycle the left hand from the downbeats to the E's to the ands to the uhs in single notes. Then you do it again with double notes and then you do it again with triple notes. And it's shockingly tough. I know that, Mike, you needed the video from me for this and it took me a while to get yeah. you the video because i had to learn how to play it too <laughs> <laughs> it was not easy it was not easy at all but now have you ever spent any time trying to mix up any of your any of your stuff that was kind of like authentic and world rhythm based yeah i mean there's back in when i used to play in, in a, a latin jazz group there was a lot of songs where we would go from like maybe the a section was in a afro-cuban feel and the b section was a samba so it wasn't it wasn't completely sure. against the rules to mix it up um you know it's funny what this this hand pattern i actually would just think of it as like a, a samba like a syncopated samba rhythm Oh Mentally, yeah, 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 even though it is the Afro-Cuban pattern, I would just think of it as that's because a lot of samba is like choppy, offbeat sixteenths, tambourim yep. style rhythms anyway. So, for my own brain, I would just say, okay, that's just like a tambourim part. It's not actually. I'm not thinking Cuban, but right, right. And that's. I think that that's kind of what I want is for my students to have the physical freedom because I've I've really honestly been on the gig and had to go. Oh, I guess. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have a discussion with the bass player right now as we're gigging. So, I better be able to physically start playing a samba with my feet and keep the feel alive. You know, <clears throat> because a montuno on the piano will go fine with a samba. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't. They're not fighting each other. So really, it would just be me and the bass player fighting each other. So, for the betterment of the group, it's like okay, I'm jumping in. My feet are gonna play samba, and then my right hand will complement the montuno that's happening on the piano. And then, and then I have to like you know, if there's no aux percussionist on the gig, then I have to also be responsible for the clave, and you know, so it's like we'll have you practice all of your claves against a samba, a yeah. tumbao, a bio, you know. So that was kind of the goal was just to get people to understand. Look, unless you are in that country gigging that music with authentic players, you have a little bit of freedom to think of it more as drum set rhythms rather than laws. They're not laws; they're rhythms. Yeah. So have fun with it. So yeah, if you get a chance, check out that article. And then I think on moderndrummer.com, you can check out my video of me struggling through it, right? Yeah, it's on there in all its glory. <laughs> in all of my... I Just know that if you see any side camera angles, that's because my face was completely distorted in the front <laughs> camera. So I switched to side camera. So that's on page 86 of the January issue of Modern Drummer. Yeah. So check that out. So when you get to those really tough parts, yeah, it, I mean... This goes back to like focusing on your weaknesses. Like when I'm, if I'm learning a song and, and there's always one or two parts in a song that's tricky, in the past I would just like skirt through it and get back to the easy part. You know, like, oh, yeah, that bridge, there's something weird going on there. Oh, but I'm back to the chorus and I can play this part. <laughs> right. If, with this stuff, is it the same thing where initially you kind of skirt through no. the difficult stuff? No. You- what I'm looking for from moment one is any problems and then I make an exercise. I always take 
a problem out of the situation and make a new exercise out of the problem. And I obsess on the problem until it becomes my strength. And then I insert it back into the thing. Nice. Well, there's one, uh, hopefully my next video, which I'm telling you now, which means I got to put it up soon. (laughs) Yeah, boy. I'm trying to do Dennis Chambers' Blue Matter. Oh. Do you know that tune? Yeah, absolutely. And the, yeah. the hard part is not the main groove with all the real funky bass drum stuff. The hard part is the very quiet A section where I've, I've, I've figured out what he's doing is he's playing like a like a swung samba thing with his feet. Okay. But then he's playing a lot of eighth note triplets with his left hand over top Ooh. of it. It is a weird, weird polyrhythm. And the right hand is only playing quarter notes, so there's nothing to like latch on to. Oh. So the phrasing of, of Dennis's left hand during those A sections, it's a lot of quarter note triplets with like diddles on the third note while while having this this samba thing happening in the feet. I mean it's I thought it was gonna be trying to play those like long like bass drum stutters that he does. Right. That's not hard at all. The hard stuff is these <laughs> the quiet B set the quiet A section stuff. I mean it is wickedly wow. strange. I think I might have a video of Benny playing that song while he was here giving a camp. Um, and so if I do, I have I have two things that I'll send you that no one else can see. Take that, listeners. Sorry. <laughs> but I have I think I have Benny playing that. And then I have him playing his version of I'm Tweaked by Vinnie Caliuta. Oh, wow. But it was for Grebfruit. So he sang all of the I'm Tweaked melody stuff. And then he sent it to Vinny, and Vinny never responded to him, so he couldn't put it on the album. So he played it for the campers here, and I have a video of it. So I'll send you that, and it's it's nasty, dude. Uh, but I think one. I have the Dennis Chambers one, too. So if I do, I'll send it to you. But well, I think we'll all look forward to seeing you struggle through that and go full. Maybe your camera angle will be from behind your head, <laughs> so we don't have to see your face as it distorts. I only do one camera angle, so you see all the faces. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> awesome, man. Very cool. All right. Well, how about let's talk about another drummer, Mr. Brendan Buckley. Now, when did he kind of show up on your guys' scene? Like as far as, oh, wow, this guy's got real gigs. And because one thing that I noticed was he's not he wasn't only playing with Shakira. It didn't even start as a touring thing, which to me, he's a good looking cat. He can play his butt off. He knows electronics. It made sense that he was her touring drummer, but it didn't start there. He started as he did her first album. So it was like he was, and I I always make that, you know, kind of difference for myself. It's like, wow, you got brought in when no one could see you, you know, and your, your aura didn't matter. Only mattered was your sound. So knowing that Brendan was on her album first and then became a touring drummer really meant a lot to me. But when did you guys kind of find out about him? I mean, it was really the same, same time. It was like, wow, Shakira is a superstar. Who's her drummer? Oh, it's the same guy. He's been with her since the beginning. Like, yeah. Exactly, and he's also a local New Jersey guy originally. Yeah, yeah. So we we kind of bonded on that. He he grew up like two towns over from where I live now. Okay, so you personally know Brendan? Yeah, yeah. We've gotten. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. He's from New Jersey, but I only see him at Nam. So every right, every Nam we kind of hang out, and he's such a cool guy and very likable, and he's appreciative of all the support that we show. So you know, we get to spend it. And, and I realized that he and I both have a shared uh, love of martial arts. I mean, I don't practice, but he's like a devout practitioner i think of taekwondo or maybe aikido i'm not sure wow so yeah he's i've kind of told him all my fears like the reason i don't want to get into martial arts because i can't stand like people getting up in my face and he's like well that's the exact reason why you need to do it that's why i did it because anytime someone get up my face i'd want to fight them (laughs) so you got to learn how to control (laughs) that (laughs) so he's not only uh he's not only a very handsome man he also can kick your butt (laughs) Uh, 
You get that feeling when he shakes your hand. He's like, hey, how's it going? Just so you know, I can put you on the ground in two seconds. Yeah. Like, That's awesome, man. You smell fantastic. Yeah. So we put him in. We actually talked to him in this this article in the January issue about the future state of the art. We wanted to, since it's the new year, we kind of wanted to get a feel from different people, like where they think things are going. Um, and he had some really good things to say. I'm just going to read a, a – a, I mean it, it kind of goes to the goes back to the fact of why he's so hireable and so reliable. He said um, – you know, a good Facebook page is important, but can you play your drums well enough to be paid? Can you groove and understand arrangements? Can you give options? Are you on time? Can you memorize two hours worth of music without messing up? Can an artist take you on the road for six months without you getting arrested? That's a pretty good checklist to have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you could probably be stopped. A lot of people would be stopped on the first question. No, I cannot. <laughs> I mean, that's that's... That is what it comes down to, you know, and I, and really that last quote, because I read that too, and that last one was something I've always tried to impress on my students was, look, the drumming is a given. You need to be badass. I, I can't get you out of that. There's nothing I can do. Because even the people where you're like, well, yeah, but Steve Jordan can't. It's like, no, 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 no. Steve Jordan is actually not good. He's he's great at what he does. Yeah. Now, you don't have to show off, but you do have to be great at what you do. But after that, do I want you on a cramped bus with me for six months. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's such a bigger question to me. When we were trying to find a new bass player for our band, that's all I thought about. Like, you better be able to play the bass. That's not even negotiable. Right. You have to be able to play the bass. But my thing is, can you calm down a tense situation? Can you be the cream in the coffee when you need us to be? Can you be on board and be a team player when you need us to be? And all those things, that stuff's so much more important. And I think Brendan is is a great example of that. He fits the mold when he needs to. And I love the fact that he talks about, look, dude, most of the gigs that I could be up for, I'm, I, I, maybe I'm not the right guy for it. But I just have to be prepared for when I am the right guy and I am the right drummer for the situation. And so you don't have to you know, freak out that you didn't get this gig or you didn't get that gig. You just have to be ready for when, when you fit the situation, can you stand up to the challenge? And memorizing two hours of music without messing up, that was a pretty big quote right there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's – it's it, it, yeah, Shakira's music is easy, says most people. But, I mean, he's probably changing patches. I mean, imagine if you, if you fire the wrong samples. I mean, it'll ruin Dude. the show. All, all you got to do is take a look at Brendan's kit from a back view, like see it, you know, from inside his perspective. I think he's got like three or four multi pads. Yeah. He's got, you know, two laptops. He's got triggers everywhere. I, yeah, I think he's responsible more than playing beats and fills in her band, you know, and not to mention, we're just talking about Shakira. He played, played with Julio, Julio Iglesias, DMX, Lauren Hill, Gloria Stefan, and yeah. it just keeps going and going and going. Not to mention also, all of the commercial work he does for Pepsi, and I mean, he's he's a very very busy drummer, and he's just a, one of the the good people. So if you get a chance, if any of you guys are going to Nam, he'll probably be there. But if you know if you ever get a chance, one check Brendan out, follow him on social media, let him know that you heard about him on this podcast and that you learned about him and checked him out and appreciate what he does. And then if you get a chance to meet him, it, it's worth your while. He's a really nice nice human being. So. Yeah, he's a case of, you know, when you meet him, you're like, all right, I understand why he's successful. You just, he's just a good person. Number one, you're I always, yeah, all, on all of his posts, like whenever he shows a video of anything, I always write the same three letters, P-R-O, in all caps, PRO, because he's pro at everything he does. He's pro as a human. He's pro, you know, in his approach to other people, and he's, he's a professional drummer. He never puts, you're never going to see Brendan put up him blazing all over the drum set. Right, <laughs> right. Ever. But everything he will put up, it's like, wow, 
that's a pro. And so he's a great role model to have for sure. All right, you want to get into some uh, some dessert? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's it's New Year's. Jeez. Jeez. Do it up. Jeez, let's talk about some gear. <laughs> All right, so for the next two weeks, we are going to give you <laughs> – What? <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, I realize how nerdy we are. <laughs> I know. You do know that this could be called the Nerdcast. Like it it's it's pretty, constant nerd. It's pretty much as nerdy as it gets. But, but that's it, what we do, man. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's. I know our dessert is is a being metal versus wood snares. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm proud of it. Okay. Hey, if you want, we can go next level and just talk nothing but Harry Potter and LOTR, Lord of the Rings. I'm fine. We can figure oh, no. out, but I would. I think we should stick with this. I think we should stick with this. Okay, so for the next two weeks, we are going to kind of show you metal versus wood, but on a personal level. I'm going to walk you through my favorite metal snare and my favorite wood snare that I use, and then next week, Mike will do the same. So obviously, I'm a Gretsch artist, so those are the drums that I have available to me, and I've been a Gretsch artist for about four years now. So those are the drums that are kind of in my rotation. So this is obviously going to be based around that. But luckily, when we get to Mike, we don't have to deal with that at all. He has the entire world open to him. So I will walk you through my two favorite snares. As far as wood, oh, by the way, both snares that you'll be hearing when I play the audio example are the exact same size. They're both 14 by 5.5 or 5.5. So my, my wood snare that I use, and I have the option to use USA Custom and all the random, you know, one-offs that they make, and I, I end up using the 14 by 5.5 Gretsch Brooklyn snare. That's my favorite wood snare. And that is, you've got one ply of North American maple on the outside and another ply of North American maple on the inside of the shell, and then you've got four plies of poplar in the middle. So it's, it's a maple poplar maple sandwich. This has a 30-degree bearing edge, and one thing that also separates it is it has the 302 double-flanged hoops. So these hoops do change the sound from that Gretsch die-cast sound. This, this is like your just kind of solid... I need a snare drum that makes a snare drum sound. It doesn't have a ton of character. It doesn't have a ton of overtones. It just has a nice, solid crack. I would say as far as the only thing it's missing, and this is the size, not the drum, is it's not a six and a half. So you're not going to get that loud shotgun crack. This is more of kind of pop, fusion, funk snare drum. So the 14 by five and a half <clears throat> Gretsch Brooklyn snare, I have it in their satin black finish i'm not quite sure what they call that and that's the if you've seen me do anything online in the last year that's been the snare i've been using that's just kind of my favorite snare and so that's kind of and it's a i believe one two it's a 10 lug snare it's got the lightning throw off and the cool thing is it's a professional drum and it's not going to break the bank you can find it on sale for about 459 so now do you have any experience with that yeah for sure yeah, I've have re- you ever played that drum? I have. I reviewed the that that whole kit when it came out, and it was exactly what you said. I think that whole series is just like a good all-purpose line of drums. It just sounds great in pretty much any situation, and you just depending on the size you have for different applications. But yeah, I really really like that drum, and I like those hoops. I love you know, those hoops because I'm not I, as much as I want to like diecast. Uh, they just have never worked for me. They just I'm, I'm feel too stiff, and they make for me they make the sound too focused. Even though I, I totally know agree. that's the best sound for recording sometimes, I just I almost always opt for something else. So I like those. Are they, they called double flange or are they how they describe I think so. They're, they're just called the 302 hoops. But So they 
on the top, they're like suicide hoops. They just go straight up. Right. And then they just – but on like single flange tubes, they do have the flange that allows you to put the tension rod through them so you don't have to use hooks. Right. So uh, – but yeah, they're the 302 hoops and they, they do change the sound. And that, those, those hoops also come on the broadcaster. So if you see my kit, I've got those hoops on everything. So that's my favorite wood snare. And I do have a USA Maple Custom. <clears throat> I have – what else do I have in wood? I have the – Gretsch new classic in wood, which is that really thick snare mm. uh, with their with their tubes tube lugs, and then I th- and then I have one of their rosewood snares when they do those uh, what is it, the renown kind of yeah. yearly wood drum. So I have the rosewood, and so out of all those wood snare drums, the the Brooklyn is just awesome. And I didn't know until I looked it up today, but I didn't know it was such a affordable snare drum for being a professional level snare you know 459 for that level of snare that's pretty awesome that's great so so that's my wood snare and then my brass snare is same size 14 by five and a half and it's a it's called the gretsch brushed brass snare drum so this is a one mil thick beaded brass shell so uh and then it's got it's 10 lugs it's got triple flange tubes but this is just a classic Gretsch brass snare drum. It's not in their USA custom line, so it's not going to cost too much. And as far as the brushed brass, it's just a kind of a hand-applied finish that gives it a patinaed look. It looks like a used old brass snare drum. So nothing is done to the sound with that. It's not like chrome over brass or nickel over brass. It's just rubbing the the brass down so it's not so shiny. It looks kind of vintagey. So that has nothing to do with sound. That's just look. And that's also for forty nine, so it's ten dollars cheaper. So the sound difference there that it's it's snappier, it's much snappier. It's not like a big thick brass six and a half snare that's just pingy and kind of rings throughout the room and is like a shotgun and super loud. This is just a snappy snare drum, and it's definitely not what I would think of for a, a fourteen by five and a half brass because, like I said, it, it doesn't have a a lot of low end to it. Well, I, I would think that of the brass. But it's just a nice snappy snare drum, and as far as its benefits, why do I use it over my Brooklyn? It's because it's way more sensitive. Mm. That's I and mean, that's what it does. The fourteen by five and a half brass snare drum. It's extremely sensitive, like concert snare sensitivity here. So if I need something where snare response is a, is a huge factor, and I'm not going to be hitting this drum too hard, then I would use that. I will tell you this: that exact snare drum. I don't know how it relates to other companies, but that exact snare drum does have a ceiling for volume. There comes a time where it just chokes out. You just can't hit it any harder. And um, and I don't know if you've experienced that on a lot of drums. Are you talking about the brass one? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the depth. Is probably, I think so. Yeah. Exactly. And it, so it just it kind of caps out and has a, a ceiling to it where it just doesn't sound good if you keep hitting it harder and harder. Yeah. But as far as just a sensitive, snappy snare drum, it, it sounds fantastic. Now, have you reviewed that one? Uh, no, I don't think so. I've, I've played okay. it. I definitely played it, and it's again, it's exactly as you're describing it. It's a good all-purpose drum, uh, right? Is what are the wires on there? Are they twenty? Twenty. So 20. it's not the big wide strainer, like no. That. And that comes on the USA, and I think it comes on the Brooklyn as well. And I always change those out. I can't stand that many wires on the bottom. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Per- personally, like. I don't know. It might even be a visual thing where I'm like, gal, darn it, that's a lot of wires. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I always change those out and put on whatever, you Just know. Just a regular uh, pure, Yeah, or pure sound or whatever. Uh, so, so, yeah, so we can take a listen to both of these. And what I'm going to do for this sound test, guys, is I'm only going to use bass drum mic 
and two overheads. I don't want to use a snare mic. I want you to really hear the room. Uh, we won't have really any heavy compression, definitely no reverb, and just a tiny bit of EQ. I want this to be a very honest sound. And I'll talk you through which snare I'm playing, but I'll play a little bit of snare drum stuff and some drum set stuff so you can hear both of these. So let's check it out. This is the 14 by five and a half Gretsch Brooklyn snare drum. I'm using two room mics and one bass drum mic. Most of the sound you're hearing is from the room mics and I'm just sweetening the low end a little bit with the bass drum mic. Now let's listen to the 14 by five and a half Gretsch brushed brass snare drum. The tuning is exactly the same. I used the tune bot to check it between both drums and I made sure that both heads were exactly the same as well. So those drums sound awesome. And next week I'm going to give you my choices. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to pick yet. I have to figure that out in, in a week to figure it out. So, um, and also I, the guy who asked us that question was Terrence McDaniel. You didn't lose it. You found it. What I did was I moved the whole folder into a different subfolder. <laughs> Silly, crazy stuff. Man. Anyway, we so can... it's time for pick of the week now. Um, mine is, um, have you heard of the Kick Pro bass drum pillow? The Kick Pro bass drum pillow. I have not. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a guy who I can't remember his name, but he works a lot in the LA studio scene, and he okay. he makes he hand makes these little I don't know they're probably fourteen by eight inch bass drum pillows that are full of I don't think they're full of sand, but they're full of some really heavy material. Okay, and you know he can put like different different looks on it, or you can just get like a regular black one, or like paisley or whatever kind of fabric you want, um, and it has like a gripper on the bottom. Okay, so it's it's kind of modeled after the old like the old disco trick of putting a sandbag in your bass yep, drum. Of course, like John Robinson did that, and it really if you've never done that, it definitely does make a difference to the just the the depth and the and the punch of the sound. Like if you just have an sure. unmuffled bass drum and just throw a sandbag in there, it's something about weighing that shell down to the floor. It just makes it sound more powerful. So he's designed something that's similar, but it's made just for drummers. And it's 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 cut to a size where you can fit it in the six inch hole easily. Oh wow! Um, so you can put one inside the drum, touching the batter head, or you can turn it and have it lightly touching both heads. You can put two in there. You can just have it in there if you already have like a, a like a piece of foam that tends to like buckle up. You can set it in there to weigh it down. 
And it makes a it makes a big difference. You can also, if you don't muffle your bass drum at all, you can set it on the outside of the drum, just lean it against the head for just a little bit of dampening. You can yeah. use it to weigh down your if you put your rack tom in a in a snare basket and it tends to fall over, you can use it to weigh that down. Nice. Um so anyway, he makes that. It's called the Kick Pro. They're forty bucks. So that's yeah. that's my pick if you just want to get a, a a piece of equipment designed for you as a drummer. If you want to just make your own, or if you want to buy some cheaper ones, I'd recommend going to sandbagstore.com. Oh, and there's a heavy di- heavy duty shot bag, ten pounds, and that's a, basically the same sort of idea. And that's fourteen bucks per bag. It's not going to be as perfectly suited for drumming but it's an option if you just want to try it out it's only 14 bucks the kick pro is like 40 bucks nice man yeah if you have a you know a studio you definitely need to have a couple sandbags laying around just for when you have that drummer that's even if it's you you know kicking so hard forward in a forward motion that the bass drum's moving forward on them it's, it's great to be able to throw some sandbags on the bass drum spurs and just kind of hold that or right in front of the bass drum head for sure yeah so very cool we'll we'll check that out my pick this time is it's the gretsch catalina club bop kit but more than that it's a a, an affordable bop kit so the gretsch catalina club bop kit is traditional bop sizes you've got an 18 by 14 bass drum 12 by 8 rack 14 by 14 floor on legs and then a 14 by 5 snare and it's going to run you about 650 i would assume and so I don't really care what company makes it, but I think every professional drummer or just drummer in general that's gigging needs to have a bop kit for two reasons. One, even if you're not a jazz drummer, you need to be able to cover jazz gigs. And that happens to me about two times a year that one of my jazz buddies just can't make it. I'm in town and they say, hey, can you just cover this jazz gig? It's just standards. No problem. And I have a bop kit that I can take to that. And I also like having a bop kit that's not worth $5,000 that I can take to a bar. And if somebody spills beer on it, I don't lose my mind. So that's really important. And the Gretsch Catalina bop kit, once you tune it up to bop tuning, it's really hard to tell it apart from a $4,000 kit, you know, USA Custom. So, But the other thing is it's great to have a smaller drum set in bags ready to go when somebody says, hey, we need you to do this kind of cafe gig. Can you do it? Yeah, I'll just take my 18, 12, 14, and then you tune it down. You put a pillow in the bass drum, and it's just a quieter drum set. And I think that's a really great thing to have. So for that cost, it's really important. Now, since I'm not kind of hip to all the other companies, do you know who else makes kind of affordable bop kits? I mean, I think at this point, every major company has their version of it. Um I know okay. Tama has like a Silver Star bop, which the is Silver Star, yeah. essentially the same. You're basically getting different hardware options with that. Got um, it. Sonar, I don't. I think they might have taken it. There's something going on with Sonar, so I don't even want to mention them. I think they're taking <laughs> a lot of their lines out and they're redoing it. So we'll find out at NAM what's going on with Sonar. Okay. Mapex definitely has a bop kit. Sure. I think it's a Meridian bop if that's Meridian. still available. Um, Pearl, I don't know if Pearl has one. That's a good. That's a look into that i don't yeah i don't know if it'd be weird to see like the old export series as a bop kit yeah i don't know if i've seen that but i imagine they've got something in the works i mean i think any whatever your favorite brand is there's a version of this um and and you know it's going to be the similar experience where it's it's right you know really the i think where the savings is and all of these is in the quality of the hardware so that would be where i would be cautious like i play on a catalina uh, bop kit every month at one of the clubs here and it's a house kit 
So the problem is you got you know five six nights a week you got different drummers just a, just oh. abusing the tom mount and and having no respect for the spur you know just just pushing it to its extremes and it, it's breaking down but and and I had one actually had one a college I was teaching at they they were getting a new kit and I told them to get this kit and it was it's a perfect kit for them but the the kid playing drums was really trying to get that Max Roach like super super high tuning. And oh, wow. A, and eventually some of the lugs started popping off. Sure. So, again, yeah. it's all – I mean, that's just – the you just have to be aware that the hardware is going to be the first thing to go on, on any of these kits from any manufacturer. Just take care of it. Don't stress it too hard. Don't don't use your drumsticks to, to bone down the freaking tom mounts. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Just, your vice grips. Yeah, exactly. But the sound, I mean, this kit that I play on every month, it sounds great. I mean, I have no need to take my drums to this gig at all. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of one thing that, and because I, I think that Catalina Bop kit forced everybody, you know, a few years ago to have to have an affordable Bop kit because it just sold so well, and it was like, wow, I can I can just have that as my secondary kit. It cost me six hundred bucks, and yep. it's it's good to go. So cool. Well, those are our picks of the week. So everybody enjoy the new year. This will come out. Did you say this comes out on New Year's Day? Yeah, it should Friday. So that's, that's oh. we're done with the the ball's already dropped. Happy New so Year. So obviously everyone's resolution should be to sign up for MikeSlessons.com <laughs> and a subscription to Modern Drummer Magazine. And I think your 2016 is pretty set with awesomeness. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. If you get a chance, go to iTunes or wherever you get these podcasts and give us a favorable review. It's just not easy to say. A favorable review. We would appreciate it. It really helps us keep spreading the word of this podcast. And our goal here is just to help you guys feel a little bit more in the mix of the drum world. So, Mr. Dawson, have a safe New Year's gig, buddy. You too. Well, enjoy your podcast. <laughs> I, I will. It's not a podcast. It's it's the Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's on Netflix. You can watch it and learn about supermassive black holes as well. <laughs> Until next time, we will see you guys later.